Welcome to Campfire Stories with your co-hosts, Salesforce MVP, Stacy Cogswell, and public speaker, Justice Sikakani Sr., a podcast for sharing stories of Salesforce trailblazers. On this episode of Campfire Stories, Stacy and I are here with Jean Moeller, the queen of all things Salesforce data management. Jean, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. This is quite an honor to be here. Absolutely. And we have Stacy here. And, you know, we're so excited. Yay. We were just having a great conversation. And, you know, one of the things that Stacy and I have been talking about for some time when we first founded this podcast was, you know, Imagine a virtual campfire, folks sitting around that campfire and just genuinely getting to know who's in our Ohana, who's, you know, who's in our peer group. And, you know, when Stacy brought your name up, Gene, it was one of those things where I was interested. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of folks in the Ohana that I know on the Twitters. Um, But at the same time, you know, anytime we get an opportunity to meet someone and really get to know who they are. I think it's a very special moment to to embrace. So for those that don't know Eugene, um, tell us a little bit about you. What's the, uh, you know, what is the elevator pitch, as they like to say? Oh, do you have to say that? <laughs> well, <laughs> the I, I laugh because, you know, it's, uh, for those that don't know me, I have been involved with the Salesforce community for about three years. I learned about Trailhead first. And then I learned about the community. And from there, I learned about Salesforce um, and found out I really, really enjoyed working in the um, in the system. So I went ahead and got my admin certification. Um, And it's been really hard to get a job. Um, I mean, I've been on quite the long journey, um, about 16 months, actually. Um, and, but now I am very happy. I am a curriculum developer with Stony Point. Um, we are a training and consulting and recruiting and staffing company based out of Marathon, Florida. And I work remote out of my office in upstate New York. Jean, I think it is incredible. Like I have seen through the years Salesforce, you see people who specialize in a number of different areas or people that are known for specific things. You know, Eric Dreshfield, who I know is a friend of all three of us, um, former guest on the podcast as well, that he's known for being like a people connector and being very giving and, um, you know, an advocate for, uh, for equality. But I think it's interesting that you may be the first person I have ever met that is famous for being a job seeker. (laughs) And we can laugh about it now, but that was quite a road that you were on. And I met you through Twitter and and we and then we met in person at Midwest Dream in 2019, back when we were allowed to be face to face and travel and have events. Um, but can you talk just a little bit about what that journey was like, and I guess why you chose or how it became such a public event? Sure. Um, 2018 is when I first my first community event was Midwest Dreaming. 
Um, I had met Eric Dressfield because I made a comment on a podcast and he responded and just offered to get on a call with me and tell me more about Salesforce um, and more about Midwest Dreaming. And, and I nearly fell out of my chair because I was like, this guy doesn't know me from anybody. And here he is offering to get on a call and just talk with me. And that was my introduction to the Ohana. And I went to Midwest Dreaming and, and um, you know, I was so new to Salesforce that walking around the um, exhibit hall, I was like a deer in the headlights. I had no clue as to what Salesforce was and why were all of these people here trying to sell me something, but nobody was selling Salesforce. So. That was my first exposure, but you know, as I never I, thought about that before. That's such an interesting take. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to understand. I mean, there was like uh, MapQuest was that one? Map to Anywhere was one, and I just it just didn't make sense. Why were all of these com Salesforce competitors here? And so, you know, that was kind of my takeaway. I was still very, very puzzled, but I really enjoyed enjoyed the people. I enjoyed the sessions. I mean, everybody was just so welcoming. I met Vanessa Villagomez. She and I had met online on Twitter. Another Campfire Story alumni. Yes. And um, I just started to really embrace this new set of friendships that I was building. Um, and everybody was so welcoming. And uh, I went to witness success, um, and again, I was just embraced by all of these people. So that was 2018. In the fall of 2018, I got a job as a Salesforce support and training specialist, and I did that for about eight months. And then um, at the end of April of last year, 2019, I had to resign from that um, because they had changed my job description and I just couldn't, they wanted me to travel um, a lot and I just can't do that. Um, I am an older generation um, trailblazer and um, I have a well-seasoned mother. She doesn't like to be called senior. And um, you know, my responsibility is very close to my family and so I just couldn't be out of town. Um, but my former company was very, very gracious, and they kept me on for a few months, tried to find something within the company for me, um, and when that didn't work out, I just resigned, and that was um, April of 2019, and for the next 16 months, I networked like crazy. I was attending webinars. I went to virtual events, or I went to events last year. Um, and I just, I met the best people. I call them my Ohana cheerleaders. Um, and for a closet introvert like me, this was a huge, huge thing. Um, and I just started to, I don't know, just talk to people. And, you know, I took all of their advice. You know, we'll talk to this person. Let me introduce you to this person. Um, and I was doing trailheads and taking classes and attending webinars. Um, and it was 
it was quite a journey. Um, and then, you know, the first couple months not being employed were kind of cool. I was like, woohoo, I don't have to get up, you know, and, um, but then I started to kind of not enjoy it because I enjoyed working. And I started to, um, I started to get depressed. I, um, I've lived with clinical depression for years and had been doing very, very well. Um, but I started to internalize having to resign from my job. Um, and, and I turned it around in my head that I could not do my job, which technically, yeah, there was one part I couldn't do. I couldn't travel, but I could do my job. I knew my job and user support, but I fixated on not being able to do my job. And from there, I just, I went downhill. I lost all confidence in myself. I still went to Midwest Dreaming. Mm -hmm. I went to Dreamforce. I went on the um, Expo Pass. So I was only there for the career fair and to get into Expo. But it was the beginning of a very, very long journey. You know, it was seeing you at Dreamforce. And um, I don't know, some of our listeners may have been aware and, and um, some of them may not, but there was a uh, some sort of snafu that happened with the registration process for the expo users. And so you only had a short amount of time that you were able to be in the expo hall. You didn't get access to any of the sessions. There was just a limited availability. And there was something that happened with registration that meant you were going to miss even a portion of that time. But you took a unique approach to that. And that was what made you stand out to me. And honestly, that inspirational moment is one of the main reasons why I reached out to have you on the podcast is, um, you know, do you want to fill in the details on what you did when faced with this hurdle? You know, I was texting and Twittering people and, um, you know, trying to find out why, uh, I mean, it wasn't just me. There was a large group of expo passes that got canceled. So we had to re-register and, but it was a two to three hour process. And, um, people were reaching out saying, Hey, do you want my pass for a while? I got something else to do. You know, here's my expo pass. I was like, no, no, no. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to take any, that away from anybody. So I was, in one of the hotels, um, sitting down trying to think, and all of a sudden it just came to me. I was like, I'm going to do a live video and just say, hey, you know, here I am. This is what's going on. I'm sorry for those that I was supposed to come see. Um, but I did. I don't know what on earth possessed me because that's so out of my comfort zone. But I went up in a quiet, secluded place above the um, giant walkway there. And yeah, I did a live video um, and said that I was there networking. And um, and in the end, I just asked everyone to please retweet this video. 
and uh, reach out to me if people had wanted to meet me or talk to me about jobs or have ideas, just anything. Um, and after I did that, I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> I mean, that's just nothing I would do. But again, I get so much energy and comforting energy from the community. I, and, and you're going to hear me say that because I say that a lot and it's just so true. That, yeah, I had an hour and a half in Expo, and I caught, um, I caught Eric and Stephanie and Chris Hopper's presentation, and I caught yours, Miss Steph or Miss Stacy. Yeah, I mean, you only had like an hour and a half, and you spent a portion of that meeting me. I was speaking um, in the Expo Hall about. Uh, my favorite app exchange apps. Yeah. yeah. And which had nothing to do with helping you find your job, but you came and supported me because you had, I mean, that was a promise that you'd made. And I just absolutely appreciate that you were in the audience. So thank you for making the time for that. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. I um, kind of did a quick flyby and said hello to a couple other people that I was supposed to stand and, you know, actually talk with and connect with about possible um, contract positions, and I kind of just whizzed by their, their spots and said, hi, can't stay, talk to you later. Uh, it was crazy, but I'm glad I stuck it out, and I did, you know, go to the career fair. I've been to many Salesforce career fairs, and um, yeah, that was crazy, and um, so, uh um, I don't know where I'm yeah. going. <laughs> no, it's good. We're just uh, um, <laughs> recapping your story. I, I, I didn't know until you and I spoke just a couple days ago that you struggled with the mental health. Um, I, I imagine that it's hard job searching. It's really hard job searching for an extended amount of time. But when you add, uh, you know, mental health or physical health or, you know, any of that on top of it, um, that certainly just multiplies or, uh, exponentially, I'm, I would imagine, the, uh, the you know, the feeling. Um, and I think there are very good intentioned people out there that share their own trailblazer journey. And sometimes it feels like a lot of the stories that get promoted and lifted up are the ones that are, I logged into trailhead for the first time a week later, got my admin and three days later I started my first job. Now, obviously I'm exaggerating, but, but sometimes it feels like these are the stories that are shared lifted up, um, almost even admired, right? It, when it isn't the reality for the majority of job seekers, especially those that are new to the Salesforce ecosystem. Um, it, it is a journey. It is a process. And yes, sometimes all the things in the universe align and things happen in fast, um, you know, uh, you know, in rapid, um, order, but sometimes, most of the time, it takes time. Um, so I don't know, there should be a question at the end of that. 
No, 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 I, I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, when I first started learning about Salesforce, that was pretty much my conception. You know, you see the, the salary reports that come out and you see admins making really, really good money, you know, especially compared to what I was making. Um, and I, w- I was under the impression that do a trailhead, get your certification, people are going to come knocking on your door and you're going to get an awesome job and you can work from home. I was like, well, sign me up. And, um, but, you know, that's not the case. And, and, and that's okay because the journey I went through got me exactly where I should be. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm an older generation person. I'm 57. Um, and so I'm not one of the younger ones, no offense to anybody, um, that can pick up and move to a more Salesforce concentrated area. Um, the closest major city is Albany, New York, which is about an hour away. And I can't do that kind of a commute on a daily basis. So, you know, I had these these other roadblocks other than not just just not having only one certification. I had these other um, speed bumps, as I like to call them. I don't like to call them roadblocks. I like to call them speed bumps. Um, but the biggest one is about August of last year, I really started to... Um, sink into a really, really deep depression. And um, nobody knew because I was functioning. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a stay-at-home person anyway, so it wasn't like people were saying, well, why aren't you going out and such? I, you know, I, I'm a homebody. And um, so I was paying bills. I was interacting with my family. And, you know, I went to Dreamforce. But as the months wore on, um, I just, I lost all confidence in myself. I mean, I didn't even think I could handle being a supermarket cashier, um, you know, and, and trying to search for a job um, when your mind is just not focusing is very, very hard. I went through a range of emotions um, trying to get a job. I was very angry because I didn't feel that I, that there was a support group for someone like me. Um, I'm not a woman of color. Um, I'm not a veteran. I'm not from a low-income family. There was no one there for me. And I was mad. Oh, I was so mad. And, um, you know, I guess there's like these, these um, you know, t- t- steps of grieving. And I think I went through every single one of them. But the more I tried to find a job, the worse my depression got. And it got to the point that I would get up in the morning. I would feed my cats. I would lay down on the sofa for the entire day. I would get up, I would feed my cats, and I'd go to bed. Or I would sit in my chair in my living room and just stare out at the window. And that went on for 
probably six, seven months. And it was very frustrating because I knew that it wasn't right. I knew I needed to be doing something, but I just didn't have it in me. And, you know, um, it wasn't, it was a very, and I've been through other depression episodes, and this one was very, very different. You know, there wasn't bouts of crying and, you know, oh, woe with me. I was very rational to myself, but I just didn't have it in me. I did not have that confidence. Um, Yeah, I applied for jobs. I, you know, still stayed in touch with a few of my um, Ohana cheerleaders. And to them, life was just going on. I was networking. Um, but I was just miserable. And, you know, the harder I tried to find a job, the more miserable I got. Um, and it wasn't until this spring, um, about March, when I was talking to my doctor. And my doctors were aware of what was going on. Um, and I finally looked at her and I said, do you have somebody I can talk to? And before I finished that sentence, she had a name on a piece of paper and she was like, here, call her. And I looked at her and she was like, Jean, I've been waiting for you to ask. She said, if I had said something, you wouldn't have done it. And she knows she was right. She was like, I was waiting for you to ask for the help. Um, and that was pretty much the turning point. I started to take classes again, just short little classes. I started to do trailhead again. I started to believe in myself. Um, I still really didn't have a voice, um, not physically not have a voice, but to just express myself and to really talk to people again. That, that was very, very hard. Um, you know, I live alone. I work from home. I just... You know, I'm not a really social person. Um, but I started to build my network again. I started to share what I was looking for in a job, which was just a whole nother story because um, I knew deep in my heart I would not make a good admin. You know? <laughs> and everyone's like, but that's where everybody starts out. So you have to be an admin. Um, but I just, I finally started to feel better. I started to have confidence. Um, and that started another set of struggles because I was feeling so good that a lot of the jobs that I applied for, I really, really could see myself doing. And I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the certifications. I was like, are you kidding me? Um, so, but I talked to a few people and they asked me, what was it about Salesforce that I liked? Another person asked me, what is your passion? You know, transferring or transitioning from one career to another, my, my background is in learning and development, educational technology. Um, and to try and take your transition skills, transferable skills, and highlight those and get employers or hiring managers or even recruiters to listen to how I could apply those skills 
to a Salesforce position is very difficult. Um, they're on a time limit. And a majority of them, if you don't tick off everything on that their list, you're not qualified. And I know others have experienced that because I've talked to them. There was a recent um, post out on LinkedIn about that, about how to get recruiters to or hiring managers to really mm -hmm. listen. Right. Well, and then even to really understand, like, I mean, they may be listening, but they may not understand the difference between uh, an admin and a, a business analyst, for example, or what's the difference between clicks and code. So it just as you are a hiring manager yourself, right? What are Hello. some of the things that, <laughs> what are some things that you do? <laughs> Say that again, Stace. What's the question? I, I'm just curious, like after hearing some of the struggles that Jean has had um, and feeling like a lot of recruiters, especially, but also some hiring managers weren't able to listen. They're just listening for the buzzwords, the keywords mm -hmm. that they need um, and not really taking in the candidate as a whole. Um, so just curious from a hiring manager's perspective, yeah. you know, what your thoughts are on that. So, you know, it's, so I appreciate you, uh, you know, you asking. So for me, I think, I think this bolts into your leadership philosophy, right? Um, and for me, like exemplary leadership leading into measurable impact has always kind of been the notion and the narrative that I like to build off of. So when I'm looking, um, you know, for people that can fit a particular role or a skill set, it's not necessarily, and this, a lot of this bolts down to, you know, generation, Right. Uh, for me, obviously, I've only been in the ecosystem since, I don't know, 2014, 2015, and I, I, my career has progressed um, desirably. Um, so I know that, you know, if you put the work in, you demonstrate the commitment, the conviction and like, you know, execution, you will get what, you know, the ROI from the Salesforce ecosystem will be measurable and it'll be beneficial to your career. So when I'm looking at people, Stace, um, and I think it, it, a lot of it is what Gene is kind of mentioning. I'm looking for the intangibles. Like if you have a desire to learn or a desire that I can feel that once you're in that seat, you're going to do everything and anything necessary to be the best at your job. I don't, you know, I don't care if it takes you, you know, six weeks to figure out, you know, how to deploy part out versus it taking six months. What the value is, is you want to find someone that's going to be invested in what it is that they're um, responsible for. So that's what I look for, um, because, you know, there's the last person I hired, uh, Eric, I hired him as a project manager and, you know, he has a master's in project management and I needed help with um, a pretty sizable effort with converting into lightning and then addressing some pain points architecturally within Salesforce that needed to be um, uh, cleaned up, tightened up and, and uh, re-implemented, if you will. So we partnered with a local vendor uh, with the technical expertise to deliver that. But what I needed was a project manager that was gonna be able to align the business objectives and the project requirements with what the ultimate solutions were gonna be from a Salesforce perspective. But because he had the muscle um, of understanding project management from a theoretical perspective. He didn't have too much working experience, never worked with Salesforce, didn't know what Trailhead was, didn't know what Quip was. I basically said, Eric, here's, this is what I need you to do. I need you to just deliver, you know, from a project management perspective, I need you to come in, 
and give us the, the muscle that we haven't had in this organization. Here's Trailhead. Learn at your own pace. Lean in on Quip and leverage that as our project management solution, as our tool. And he did. And, you know, he put in, and I, there were intangibles that Eric had demonstrated that I knew um, would make him successful. And he was. Delivered the project on time and under budget, or on budget rather. Um, and I think that's what's important. And that's why hearing stories like Gene, I think is important because it, it brings the accountability back to the hiring managers in this ecosystem to be more cognizant of how do we provide opportunities for those to thrive? Because again, Salesforce has only been around since 1999. So it's not like everyone in this ecosystem has been doing this for 40, 50 plus years. So when you can be real with yourself on that, you know, you can acknowledge the fact that somebody presented you with an opportunity. So it's time for you to, um, you know, be um, just as fair minded when considering others to either be on your team with you working alongside, or even just to, um, you know, uh, come and support you on your team as, as, as a direct report. Um, one of the other things I wanted to share too, Gene is it, it's so funny how you talk about being a seasoned um, individual because Stacy often makes fun of me for apparently not knowing Trailhead back when it was on Facebook. <laughs> oh no, where is this going? <laughs> Work, workbooks or whatever, you know, back when Trailhead was still workbooks or what, I don't know, it was before my time. But um, so it's just funny to, you know, it puts things into perspective. So I appreciate you, um, you know, sharing the fact that, you know, your level of experience uh, isn't detrimental, but it's just different. And I think we just have to be mindful of that. Well, one of my um, absolute heroes in the uh, Salesforce Ohana is Stephanie Rhodes. I mean, I met Stephanie when she was 67. She's another Campfire alumni. Oh, yeah. Love Stephanie. Um, And I was just like, dang it, Jean, if she can do it, you can do it too. And we kind of cheered each other on as we got our admin certifications. And, you know, we still stay in touch. And last I knew she was learning marketing um, and I'm learning um, field service. And I was like, I looked at her, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> she, oh, and Miss Stephanie and her little boys go, oh, we're just keeping our minds young. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Here's what reminds me, this is what I love about Stephanie Rell. So I, uh, so for, first and foremost, I appreciate you sharing that. There was a, there's a basketball player in the NBA by the name of Jeremy Lin. And uh, several years ago, he went on a two-week, uh, like, un, unprecedented. I know that's an overused word, but in a two-week span, he was doing things in games, and he was coming off the bench that we have never seen to this day. Like, he was playing at a very high level. And for that two-week span, Gene, he went viral. They called it Linsanity. Like, you know, he was taking out Kobe Bryant. Like, he was really doing some like remarkable things. He just had a two week unreal uh, uh, strung together games and performances that were just to this day unreal. Anyways, Barack Obama. So uh, Jeremy Lin went to Harvard University. Okay. So Barack Obama, it got so big, it's such a big deal that Barack Obama was eventually interviewed and he wanted to get on the gravy train. So he said, notably, he said, uh, I'm not saying that, I was the first Jeremy Lin fan, but I was there early. <laughs> I was there early. So when I think of Stephanie Rhodes, you know, 
Stacy and I aren't saying we were the first Stephanie Rose fan, but we were there early because, you know, we had interviewed her on our podcast and I remember putting out a tweet. Um, I don't remember if I did it from the campfire podcast, Twitter handle, or if it was my own. And I just tweeted like, yo, this is crazy. Like Stephanie just told us she's like 67 and she learned Salesforce. I can't imagine my mom learning Salesforce and my mom is like 54 and she still calls me every day and says, Hi, it's your mom on the phone. It's like, mom, I know I have caller ID. I know it's you. So when Stephanie uh, said that, you know, she had learned Salesforce, I was like, this is crazy. And then, you know, Mark Benioff found out and retweeted. And then she's just been on this trajectory. I just had dinner with her a couple months ago. She was in Minneapolis with her daughter. Um, but yeah, she's a phenomenal person, Jean. And I, I, I so love the fact that you find her story inspiring because that, yeah, no, she's a great, much like yourself. She's a great individual. And, you know, I feel my heart goes out to her because she just lost her husband recently, um, her life partner, you know, and, um, you know, it's, that's tough. You know, she, she's, she's going through a lot, but she continues to be positive. And oh, she's just, yeah, she's, she's just amazing. amazing. Yeah. Just yeah. amazing. So I, I will echo, of course, Steph Rhodes and, um, her fabulous story that we did interview her a while back and heard a great piece of her story, but it's cool to see how much it has grown and continued, uh, you know, even since our episode. Um, so one of the things that I absolutely love about being part of the Salesforce ecosystem is Salesforce, the company itself and how they do things. And they have a collection of employee resource groups. And many of those employee resource groups um, have either grown from external uh, groups and, uh, you know, equality needs and then vice versa. Um, some of them start internally for Salesforce, the mothership, and then grow out. And um, so Jean, you and Steph, and I'm sure many, many, many others, um, there is a Salesforce group, employee resource group called GenForce. And it's not just for people of a certain age. Well, I guess it technically is people of a certain age, but all ages. Um, and so it is there's a group that actually fights against or helps to combat ageism, which can go both ways. There are some people that think someone might be too young, needs to have years of experience, or might be too um, far past their ability to learn new things. So ageism can happen at both ends of the spectrum. And so GenForce is a group for Salesforce employees only, but you know, so is VetForce, but there is also, it has grown to become also external things. Um, BoldForce for um, people of color is an internal employee only group, but has grown to, I would say, influence the needs. So, you know, you said that you were, uh, you know, angry at some point that there wasn't a group for you. And I would just say, then maybe you need to make a group. I mean, Salesforce has seen the need internally. You're seeing the need externally, and nobody's going to do it until somebody does it. All those other groups exist because somebody moved on them and did it. Oh, I totally agree. And I had, when I first started, you know, getting involved with the um, community events and such, I actually, <laughs> I very poorly attempted to start. Um, an online group 
um, geared at, you know, people in my spot, you know, transitioning careers, older generation. I shouldn't say older generation. I don't, I still don't know the right term for it. Um, Advent. But, well, okay. Um, I, I, I still would like to do that and be part of it. And actually I had met someone last year and we talked about it and then, you know, it's just really hard. I was not, of course, mentally in a place to start that, but I have not forgotten about that, Miss Stacy. So, um, yeah, it's on my list. I, and, you know, I've met <laughs> a lot of people um, that would gladly be part of it. Mm -hmm. And um, so probably 2021. Maybe somebody will hear this podcast and we'll reach out to you and, um, you know, who knows what's going to spark and, you know, light the fire. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is justice, go easy on the mama. Okay. I am in super mama bear <laughs> mode right now. You know, my, my one and only has left the nest, ventured out on his own. It's been a whole week as of yeah, tomorrow morning will be a whole week he's been gone. So easy on the mama, okay? You know, it's it, actually, Stace, listen, I, I know your personal story. So it's just, it's actually kind of emotional for me in a, in a not a weird way, because that wouldn't be appropriate, um, in, a, in a justified way. Because, you know, obviously I've gotten to know you really well, so I know your heart's intent and everything. But just to know the journey you've been through with all that you've gone through and, you know, you continue to come out on the other side, and to see the sort of young man Logan has become, and now he's going off on his own two feet, it's just, I don't know, it's uh, its inspiring, you know, because obviously I have two little ones myself, but mm -hmm. to know that, you know, it can be done regardless of all the trials and tribulations of life. And, yeah. you know, and he, you know, he's the one that he's, he's been with me. Uh, yeah, well, obviously he's 19 and a half, so he's been with me for a long time and my life has taken a lot of, uh, twists and turns and ups and downs, but, but it's always been he and I, you know, for sometimes other people, other friends or family or whatever, but it's always been he and I. And so it was hard. He came to me, um, actually the day before, two days before, um, and it was very early in the morning and I was getting ready for work and he was getting ready to leave for work himself. And he walks into my bedroom without a word and he's just red faced, tears on his cheeks, nodding nose. And he just comes over and hugs me. And, I'm, you know, I mean, what do you do when your kids just come up to you? And I just stood there and just held him for a few minutes. And, and then, you know, and I'm thinking, is there something going on with the girlfriend or, you know, what, you know, what, but I don't want to add, I just, when the time is right, sometimes you just need a hug, you know? And so I just held him for a moment. And then he says, mom, I'm so scared. And I, um, I said, well, Logan, I think what you're going to find in your life is the very best things to ever happen to you are always going to be on the other side of fear. And he said, but what if I'm not ready? And I said, there's only one way to find out. Um, and then that evening after work, we continued the conversation and Yancey actually spoke with him and he said, Logan, your mom and I have worked as hard as we absolutely can to give you and David, David being his son. Um, he said, we've, we've worked so hard to give you and David, um, the best set possible in life. And so you can go into the future, you can go off on your own and just 
soar and fly and you never have to worry about failing. Failing is not an option for you because we are always your safety net. And, and I just loved like that mindset. Like that's something that I didn't have growing up when I went out on my own and, um, and to be able to not only see him grow, but also to be able to look at my own family life and, you know, look at from one generation to the next, how much progress has been made. And, um, yeah, so it's been an emotional week for sure. Okay. For those of you listening, let me just address some confusion you might have from when Stacy first started talking about her son, Logan. Yes, he is 19 and a half, and I know you're trying to figure out how Stacy can be in her early 30s with a son that's 19 and a half. It is, <laughs> it is possible. It is possible. I'm less than two weeks away from my 41st birthday, actually. Well, well You're still you, a baby. Yeah, I've got a lot left. <laughs> but I appreciate that. Thank you. Justin, I want to comment on, you know, I want to compliment you on something that you mentioned when you were looking for um, potential employees. And, and you said something to the, in fact, that if you see their um, determination and their willingness and their dedication and, um, you know, when I really started to promote myself, um, you know, whether it be on Twitter or, um, you know, comments, I always, I started using the hashtags, hashtag dedication, hashtag determination. And that kind of became my my mantra. Um, And I think that's part of why I did so much networking um, is because I really wanted to show employers my dedication to the Salesforce industry. Mm-hmm. And to just raise awareness, whether it worked or not, I don't know. Um, but it was just another way that I wanted to show how much I believed that I had a spot in the mm-hmm. ecosystem. So, you know, thank you for, for, you know, looking past the number of certifications, um, you know, and things like that. I mean, I totally understand that, no, I'll never be a developer whether I have all the certifications or not, but, you know, there's got to be a way to give people transitioning from other careers. Um, So thank you um, from all of us out there that are trying. (laughs) You know, absolutely. And it was one of those things where I'll be honest with you, Gene, like before I, you know, I transitioned into leadership, you know, I was a subject matter expert as a Salesforce admin, And I would sometimes, not all the time, but, you know, there were times I would feel a little bit insecure at, you know, the fact that I have, or at the time I had one certification and you got people out here, you know, Yancey with four or five certifications, Daniel Peters with 25 certifications, you know, Hamza out of UK did, I don't know, eight certifications in one sitting, you know? Um, I mean, Yancey's up to eight now, but who's counting? Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, the, the thing for me was like, I'll never forget, and it's personal for me, I'll never forget um, when I was working for a pretty, the largest privately held organization in the U.S., Cargill, they had sent me out to San Francisco and they wanted me to learn Salesforce. They literally said, find a training, go do it, come back, report to us what you've learned. And I remember booking the trip. I went to San Francisco. Leah McGowan-Hare was a master technical trainer. She was my first trainer ever. And Don Robbins. And they 
taught in a five-day course, Intro to Object-Oriented Programming with Apex, which is Salesforce's proprietary programming language. And, you know, I started becoming very proficient, building Visual Force pages, manipulating blocks of Apex code. Like, I started becoming very strong at that. And I remember I came back to my organization and I demonstrated, you know, my technical acquired muscle. And I remember looking in, this was like senior level leaders that wanted to see what did we just spend, you know, $10,000, if you will, flight, hotel, training, you know, all the expenses. Let's see what, what we, what our ROI is. And I remember looking in the room and thinking, this is impressive stuff, but their eyes were rolling. Like we just wasted money on justice, you know, making some syntax related changes and, 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 you know, doing technical level stuff we don't understand. And I'll never forget going back to my cubicle and thinking to myself, what was the issue? Well, I don't understand. Like I went in, I plugged in, I learned what I needed to learn and I demonstrated it at a very effective level. And I remember thinking to myself, we don't have good adoption of Salesforce. We don't have good utilization of Salesforce. I spent 60 hours a week, probably for three months. This was not required of me learning and understanding like permission, roles, uh, delegated administration, understanding what would become my uh, governance strategy and process, which I would you know, explain or uh, uh, talk about at Dreamforce and Midwest Dreaming and all these places through Trailhead. And the reason why I emphasize so much on a willingness and dedication is because you could spend $20,000, go to the best training, get the certifications, not taking any credit away from that, and still go back to your organization and they don't see the value in it for your particular case. It's the individuals that say, what is the underlying problem? And I'm committed to addressing it with, with whatever means are available to me. And I use Trailhead and I, I literally learned everything about governance via Trailhead. And then several years later, Chris Duarte reached out to me to help Salesforce publish a white paper on governance best practices, right? So, you know, it just, you never know where you're going to be. And that's why I'm looking for those individuals like Eric, like yourself, uh, Gene, that just will do what is necessary to learn at their own pace. You don't have to learn everything about a particular domain area like Pardot in 10 minutes. Just as long as you're committed to learning it and that value is coming back to your team and your organization, that's where the success is in my eyes. Yeah, and um, you know, you're talking about learning and doing the certifications and I had my admin and um, you know people were like well what's your next certification going to be and for the longest time my reply was well I was going to wait until I got my next job so I would get the certification that would be most important or most beneficial for that position well we saw how that worked out um, and then I was talking to some others and they're, you know, and then they started to encourage me to just keep doing less trailhead and more focusing on super badges and um, certifications and super badges are wicked intimidating to me. I'm just like, um, but I absolutely love them. I find them addicting, um, mm. you know, and um, so yeah, doing the certifications, and it's hard when you were in my position because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and people have heard me say I have a love-hate relationship with Salesforce. 
I love it because of everything it does and the the different clouds, the marketing, the healthcare, nonprofit. Um, I love it because, you know, there's something for everyone, but I hate it because there's so much and I want to learn all of it. Um, you know, so I didn't know what to do next. Um, and, and, you know, that's where I started to look into the data management and yeah, that's on hold right now. Um, but you know, I'm a data data nerd. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, for people that are, are still kind of trying to figure it out, um, go for, go for some, uh, certifications, super badges, super badges are like certification warmups. Mm. Um, and it, it, and it, it does show your intentions and your, your dedication and your willingness to work for it. Um, and yeah, don't, you know, from my perspective, having that admin cert, it didn't work for me. I mean, it did, but the first job I got was internal and very few people in the company had a certification, much less knew what Salesforce was. Um, but outside of internally, um, yeah, it was, you know, and it's funny because right now, you know, I just started at Stony Point back in August, and I'm a curriculum developer. I help create the training material we do, um, which is really, really funny because about three years ago, I was a curriculum and design development specialist for another company, and I got so burnt out on design and development that that's why I started to learn Salesforce. I was like, I've got to get out of this field, and... I knew I wanted to get into technology, so I started looking at um, Microsoft and SAP and Oracle and all of those, and that's how I fell into Trailhead. And, um, you know, so the last thing I wanted to do, or so I thought, was curriculum development. But the more I looked into the jobs, I realized that I wasn't burnt out on the profession but I had been working with the same material for seven years, just representing it different ways. I mean, you can only talk about communication skills in so many different ways. Um, so I am absolutely thrilled beyond belief um, to be doing curriculum development. Um, it's what I know and I get to play with Salesforce. Um, you know, so for, those that are having a hard time, I would say really, you know, look to your past careers. And, you know, even if you have to use that as to get your foot in the door, um, you know, because other people are like, well, you know, you could always be a trainer. I was like, no, I don't want to be a trainer. Um, but again, it's doing what you have to do um, and to show your willingness to do that dedication and to do that determination doing what you have to do and showing your willingness there there, there goes a quote for a t-shirt stace <laughs> i'm writing it down i love it <laughs> um so gene i said earlier that you and i met on twitter and that's inaccurate i uh -oh. just recalled the story of how we actually met and it was face to face for the first time um mm -hmm. 
And so, because I was sitting here listening to you speak, and it just dawned on me what you did. You made (laughs) bingo sheets for yourself of all the people that you wanted to meet. Uh, Was it Witness Success or Midwest Dreaming? It was one of the. It was Midwest Dreaming. And um, yeah, I did. And it's funny because I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, well, you know, which came first, the Twitter or the, the convention? Um, I did. I, you know, again, being a really big introvert, I was all excited to go to Midwest Dreaming. But for me just to walk up and introduce myself to somebody, it's like, no, I'm looking for the dog, the cat to play with or something. But I knew this was really important. This is something I really, really wanted to do. And so I did. I made up a bingo card and um, I had pictures. I had three groups of people that I had on this card. Um, One group was people that I had met online, mostly through Twitter, that I wanted to meet in person. The second group was people like recruiters that I wanted to meet, introduce myself. And then the third group was people in the ohana that i thought were very um generous with their time and and giving back and i just wanted to thank them for what they do for the ohana um because you know they impressed impressed isn't the right word but they made an impact in my life for whatever reason yeah, so and fun just, fact, Stacy wasn't on any of those lists. Yeah, you would bring that up. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Gina. I've just got to tease you a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what was neat is I had a couple people that once they heard about this and saw the card, mm-hmm. they helped me find everybody. They're, yeah, they would look at the card. They're like, oh, she's over here go and they would like drag me across the floor here she wants to meet you you're on your bingo card and they'd look at me going like what (laughs) so that was my icebreaker and And it was perfect that's awesome and then you and I actually we connected during um one of the sessions right was it um Rakia and um Emma B we're talking about having courageous conversations and they had all these like interactive moments where you'd have mm-hmm. to turn around and tell somebody behind you this or talk to someone, you know, next to you. And so they had us like really engaged and interactive and incredible session. I learned so much, but one of the interactions, actually, I think it was at the end was maybe you had made a comment and I came up to you to tell you how much I appreciated your vulnerability in the comment that you made um, openly to the group. And, um, you know, and then we, connected and yeah. I got to see your bingo cards and they were really cool. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so the, yeah, the rest is history. But the one thing that I most remember about you at Midwest Dreaming, I was sitting out in the registration hall at one of the tables, whether it was at the end of the day or just taking a break. And you were, you came up and you were kind of like coming out of the, the banquet hall or whatever they called. And you're kind of standing next to me and we were chatting and she and you said, so do you know Yancey? I was like, well, I've heard of him, and and you're so cute. You go, well, he's my guy. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was the most precious thing. He's my guy. 
is. He's my person. But yeah, I did. And I actually did the bingo cards for one or two other ones. Um, just as an icebreaker, you know, it's, I, you've got to talk to somebody that comes up and says, you're on my bingo card. What are you going to do? Walk away? Right? Um, no, it's great. I love it. Yeah, so, I, so let me ask you this then. So you have done some conventional things like certifications and mm-hmm. online networking and mm-hmm. you've gone to the, um, uh, oh my goodness. I just career went, fairs. Thank you. Yes. The career fairs. So you've done a lot of that traditional stuff. And then you've also done some out of the box, uh, gene unique things like the bingo cards and mm-hmm. the, I'm just going to go live in the middle of Moscone because I can't get in. <laughs> right. So, uh, do you, and, and you also, um, I want to say this right, because I don't want it to sound like you used people, but you really took advantage in, in the right way, your Ohana cheering squad. I, me- I remember on Twitter, yes. you created a little Twitter group and you would keep us updated. You know, I've got this job lead and that didn't pan out and I'm thinking about this. And, and, and so you kept your cheerleaders close and informed and you, you know, kept yourself top of mind with a lot of people. And, um, so you've done a lot of things. And so I'm just curious, like, um, obviously success. Um, but what of the things that you did, like, what would be your advice to people that are in, I don't even say similar shoes because you've, you've got multiple pieces to your shoes, but whether it's somebody transitioning into a new career and it being Salesforce or somebody brand new trying to break into their first ever career, or maybe it's someone that's struggling with, um, you know, mental health issues at this time. What, what has, what worked for you that you would um, recommend to others? Hmm, That's a loaded question. I think the two things and they kind of go hand in hand is be active on Twitter. Um, I don't, you know, people are like, I don't do social media. No, that's fine. But I found a majority of the people that I wanted to, or I needed to connect with were very active on Twitter. I hadn't used Twitter since I graduated from grad school. Um, but I think it was Eric um, that asked me, are you on Twitter? I was like, no. And so definitely be on Twitter and, you know, eventually follow people, follow groups that you want to learn from or just get to know or, you know, you're going through, you can search for names. So, you know, search for Stacy Coswell and, and Justice, you know, and follow them. You don't even have to know them. You know, you can just follow them and see who they follow and see who they talk about. Um, And that's kind of how I formed my cheerleading section is they, you know, they would be like, well, let me introduce you to this person. Um, So definitely um, be on Twitter. Um, And... um, embrace, I was going to say take advantage of, but embrace the generosity of the community. There is nothing Mm -hmm. out there like it. 
And by the grace of God and the Ohana community, that's what pulled me through this past year. It really is. And by golly, Stacy, you're going to make me cry. Um, but <laughs> it, their support, and it's so genuine and so unique that they just want to help you succeed. They want to help you be your best person. And it's so honest. And, and, and they'll tell you, you know, why don't you try this? Um, or, you know, I know of this group. I met a woman, um, she's actually a good friend of mine now. Last year, we joined a, a nonprofit to help them and everything. And I was helping her, you know, and she's like, oh, I got an interview with this person, this company. I was like, oh, I know so-and-so from that company. And, or I got an interview with, oh, I know so-and-so. Oh, it's like, you want me to hook you, you know, you want me to introduce you? She's like, how do you know all these people? I was like, I don't know. It just grew organically over the past year or so by being active on Twitter. Now, when I say be active, I don't mean you have to be a heavy tweeter and tweet, you know, all the time, every day, but be involved. Um, you know, follow one or two people or one or two groups, you know, the Trailblazers has a group, um, you know, use the search and just find groups, follow them. And, you know, until maybe a couple months ago, I really felt like an awkward tweeter. It just felt very uncomfortable. But now it doesn't. Um, so I would definitely, I would say be active on Twitter and you know, start to build your network. And, you know, if people are out there and they want to see who I follow on Twitter, they want to look at my contacts on LinkedIn. And, you know, if you want me to introduce somebody to you, um, just ask me, you know, and, and that's how I got to meet a lot of people. They, you know, they'd be like, well, let me introduce you to this person because they might know somebody. Um, but yeah, just embrace the, the uniqueness of the community because you won't find it anywhere else. I have yet to even hear of something. Mm -hmm. I, hey, I absolutely agree. I'm kind of curious. So one of my friends, um, I have a tight knit group of friends um, that is, you know, comes stems from a place of accountability, genuineness, and just truly deep rooted character and wanting to see all of us like really succeed and thrive in all facets of our life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, all of that. And recently one of them came in our group chat and said, Hey, what are you guys doing to stay like strong, strong with your mental health? Essentially nothing prompted it. It just, it was a, it, he felt urged to ask the question to create dialogue. And I, I, I said a number of things at the time, but as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking to myself, I feel like being a part of the Salesforce community um, has been very supportive of mm -hmm. strong mental health. I would like to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, um, you know, I there are others that have talked and to me, they're very, very brave because, you know, their life experiences are very, very different than mine. And they talk about them openly. I 
from my perspective, I don't feel there's enough continuous talk about it. I mean, I know there's a group for depression. I know there's a group for anxiety. Um, and maybe it's because I don't participate in those groups. Um, but I, maybe I wasn't looking for them. You know, I'm a very private person. Well, I was. Um, <laughs> you know, but um, I think we, you know, that the, there's always a need to keep the conversation going. You know, if, if I can help one person feel confident that even though they deal with mental health issues, whether on an ongoing basis or, you know, episodes once in a while, that, you know, they too can make it, um, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think there needs to be a more present talk about it um, and, and not necessarily solutions because heaven knows I don't have the solutions. Um, and, you know, I have a long way to go until I feel better about myself, you know, because I still have to, I'm kind of just starting to learn to be an adult again. Um, you know, because when I crashed, I just, you know, pretty much all those adult things other than paying bills went out the window. Um, I mean, I would love to see more conversations about it and more, um, more uh, suggestions on, you know, how to help yourself or what to do to help yourself. Interesting question. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's just, you know, obviously, uh, Gene, you know, we're, we're navigating all together a global pandemic. There's been, a, you know, we're, we're, you know, there's been, um, you know, a social crisis, if you will, with things that have been happening in the world. And that's created a, you know, a subsequent series of events and all while being home. So, you know, you, you, and obviously with where I'm at career wise, you know, I work for a theater company, a theater, you know, I'm in, you know, in the nonprofit. We haven't had a Broadway show since like February of this year. So, yeah, know. you know, I'm very blessed to have job security. There's nothing that's going to happen to me in the foreseeable future. But there are people that have been furloughed. There are people that have been laid off. And yes, there's unemployment. Yes, there's economic assistance and things of that nature. But if people are being laid off and furloughed, that doesn't necessarily mean there's a lot of opportunity to go land somewhere else. And if so, have to, you know, you know, it's, so there's a lot going on. And I guess I just want to make sure that, you know, we're giving people the space and the grace, if you will, to share what their challenges are, because, you know, there are things we can do to support. Uh, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, a job offer. It could just be conversation sometimes. Yeah, and to add on to that, um, you know, my heart goes out to those that have been furloughed. Um, you know, granted, I was, I was off, but that mine was different. But take advantage of all of the virtual meetings, virtual Saturdays, virtual meetings, um, just to connect with people, to stay connected with people within the community, 
but also get that 30 second elevator pitch ready because almost all of the meetings that I go to, they leave a few minutes for networking. And especially if you're a new member of a group or just visiting because of the guest speaker, they're like, well, tell us about yourself. And so I've met so many new people just because I took advantage of all of the virtual meetings that are going on. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one way I have been staying connected and, you know, and, and, and still communicating with others and trying to, you know, keep motivated, I think is what I'm trying to say. Those virtual groups have been amazing. The the number of places, if you will, that I've been able to be a part of. Now, I, I have not taken advantage of it as much as I could. And at some points I get kind of, you know, Zoom fatigued. But I tell you what, I'm I'm 99% sure that Melissa Hildes has cloned herself <laughs> because I think she, you know, in person at Dreamforce, you can't go to any single location and not see Charlie Isaacs. Yeah. Melissa Hildes is like that online with all of these virtual events. She's everywhere presenting, participating, engaging. She's just phenomenal. Yeah. And I've also used it, you know, they'll, they'll list the guest speakers. And if there's a topic that I've always been curious about, I take advantage of it and go listen to the topic. Um, you know, and then usually I always try and make a connection with at least one or two people from the group. And even if it's just to connect with them on LinkedIn um, and say, hey, I was in, you know, Salesforce Saturday. I just would like to add you to my network. Um, again, it, it's just those little steps that will accumulate. Um, but yeah, it's another way to um, kind of figure out what you might want to do if you're not sure. Some yeah. people know right away. Mm-hmm. I took well, a year and a yeah. half. was it worth it yes ma'am all of it was was worth it I mean I still can't believe that I did it um heaven knows how many times I wanted to give up I you know I would I'd call a friend I give up um this it's just there's nothing here for me you know, I felt like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. I was like, there's just nothing here in Oz for me. I just need to go home, meaning I needed to go back to what I knew how to do. Um, and then two days later, I'd be back searching jobs, you know, because I knew in my heart that this was the right thing for me. So, yes, all of all of it was worth it. All of it. That's fantastic. And now, you know, obviously it's not the end of your story. It's just the end of that chapter and you're moving forward. But, um, you know, like Justice mentioned earlier, like we're all at various stages and we all have people ahead of us, but we also all have people behind us. And so for the people out there that are listening and um, and want to connect with you, uh, and maybe because they want to, you know, they want to add you to their bingo sheet. Um, <laughs> what's the best way for them to read you're on Twitter, obviously what's yep. your Twitter handle? Um, J F M O E L L E R. Awesome. So, and then clearly you're on LinkedIn as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so people can reach out to you on either of those platforms. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. That's been great. 
Um, Justice, any last words of wisdom from you? Uh, no, I think, you know, Gene uh, has embodied all the things that I strive to, you know, speak on when, when trying to inspire others. And I, I greatly appreciate hearing your story, Gene, uh, your perspectives and your honesty. So thank you. Well, thank you for the, um, the opportunity. Um, yeah. This this is just, it's been really neat. I never expected, you know, to be asked to share my story. So um, like I said, if I can help one person, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, you've helped both of us. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching Twitter. We've been tweeting out all kinds of quotes. Uh, we've both enjoyed the conversation very, very much. And so after having taken a couple of months off from doing new episodes, uh, you know, Justice and I both had some things just keeping us busy and distracting us. And it, this has been a, a refreshing welcome back to podcasting. So thank you so much for being part of our our show. Oh, it's been my pleasure.